Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome. Episode 56 of the No Look Past Podcast presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, and this is the time of year where two New Yorkers like Andy Flint and I just tell everybody that complains about winter to just, we don't believe you need more people word to Jay-Z. And uh, I got my whole co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good? Yo, what's going on? We got the double feature tonight. I'm excited. Yes, we do have another double feature. I'm glad Andy brought that up. Uh, last week we had a double feature West Coast to East Coast, or East Coast to West Coast, and I think this time we're going West Coast to East Coast on you guys. So, um, like, it has been a couple weeks since we had a show, so we went to L.A. to visit the Lakers, and then we traveled to uh, a less, uh, a less uh, what's the word I'm looking for, not as not as spotlighty, I guess. Uh, that's not a good word. Uh, to Milwaukee, <laughs> we went to Milwaukee. That's all I'm saying. Uh, to visit the Bucks, even though their their team is probably a little more flashy. That's what I'm looking for. A little more flashy than the LA Lakers, believe it or not. So let's start in LA with the Lakers. While you were watching TNT, we were watching Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they had a one in three road trip while we watched them. Losses. Um, at the Pelicans, at the Raptors, at the Grizzlies, and a win at the Bulls, which was kind of a bad loss for the Bulls, to be honest, um, which we'll talk about in a little second. But, Andy, how many Lakers games did you watch, and what were your impressions? Um, I I got to catch two of them. I caught the okay. – I was actually glad I got to catch the Bulls game, even though you commented that it wasn't very good. At least they won that game because our curse is alive and well. Um, and then I also yeah, saw the Grizzlies game, and I found myself wondering why am I watching a Grizzlies game. I think I kind of avoided the Raptors game because we had watched a lot of the Raptors, and that was a blot anyway, so I'm glad. And I don't watch the Pelicans. It's that simple. Oh, just as a rule, I actually like the Pelicans. The Pelicans are one of my, my low-key favorite teams to watch just because I, I like watching the brow just make those people look like NBA players somehow, some way. And they've been good since Drew has been back. But uh, quick, what was your, what was your first impression of, of, these, of the baby Lakers here? I mean, you know, the problem with the Lakers right now, I think, is obviously the fact that they're without D'Angelo Russell. We, uh, sure. you know, kind of chose a, a weird time to watch them. Um, Nick Young was banged up and stuff, too. You know, I, I think that this team looks like it's missing D'Angelo Russell or what D'Angelo Russell had appeared to be turning into this season, which is, you know, the guy, you know, he's the reason – that he was drafted, you know, where he was drafted, and it, it's it's starting to show. But the Lakers look like they're missing that because I think this is a great glue team right now without Russell. They just look like a bunch of guys. And we doubt them. I think we both doubted the Lakers coming into the season. But the Mozgov thing and Luol Dang and these, these players, Nick Young, was, these players are working out. I do think two things that I really picked up on without uh, D'Angelo Russell, I think Jordan Clarkson struggles. I think his game hurts without Russell. It's almost yep. like, and there's nothing wrong with that. I do like Clarkson. I think I had been a critic of him in the past, but I, I think he's coming into his own, but I think he thrives off of D'Angelo and, you know, he's missed some of that while uh, in the games I was watching at least. And uh, yeah, you can, you the can definitely opposite tell that of that the way Clarkson plays. Yeah. And the exact opposite of that has been Lou Williams. Cause Lou Williams was like, I don't need anybody. And, you know, he had the 40-point game, and that, that was awesome against the Grizzlies. But, they're, they're, you know, I think this is a better team than we all gave them credit for going into the season. I know I was very harsh on them. But I do think they did a very good job. It's like the Lakers knew that D'Angelo Russell was about to turn the page, and they did do a very good job of, like, plugging guys who could just play and who were mature. Uh, Julius Randle is looking better. I think this team has a bright future. But they have lost 
uh, what, three and eight out of the last 11. They're two and eight over their last 10. Uh, they were like eight and seven, I believe, before Russell went out, something yeah. like 10 games ago. And, you know, it's it's kind of falling apart, but you would expect that with the team's best player missing significant time. Uh, I don't know about the team's best player, uh, or the Julius Randle. I think it's a little disrespect there. But yeah. uh, so? we'll talk about that in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Julius Randle is definitely the alpha dog on that team. But the one thing that you're talking about, about D'Angelo Russell being missing, I think you saw that with the team, with, with the way Luke Walton was coaching the team, because he really did not want to insert Jordan Clarkson into the starting lineup. He tried all kinds of things. That Huerta started one game recently. Uh, Meta World Peace got a start recently. You could tell he really wanted to keep guys and keep the rotation the way it was. Yeah, I know. Trust me. Uh, I think he might have been one of those. Uh, Chauncey Billups said he's, he knew some players that like to play better high, and uh, I think Meta World Peace might have been one of those players. I, I'm, not, I'm not calling out names. Uh, so I think, you know, that's a couple of things, the starting lineup, and then – I think what you're saying, you know, Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell, they're both kind of, um, I don't want to, I, I don't want to reuse the word flashy, but they're both kind of, they thrive on the court. You know, they trash talk a little bit. They kind of have a little, you know, suave against them. You know, I can see what maybe why uh, opponents may not like playing them. It seems like they're showing off sometimes. But in that, I think they're kind of like uh, what, what what they say in baseball about pitchers. Like, you know how they always say like pitchers work off of each other. So like when one pitcher goes out and pitches like a, a seven-inning shutout, the next guy's like, all right, I want to go out and pitch an eight-inning shutout to show that I'm better, and they kind of work off of each other. I feel like D'Angelo and Jordan are sort of the same way, where D'Angelo Russell kind of gets off to a good start. Like, sometimes he's really – Russell's a really streaky player, just period. So when he goes out and he hits, like, six threes in the first quarter or something like that, which I believe he did against the Nets uh, a few weeks ago, then Clarkson is sort of like – he wants to go out when he gets his minutes and match that or do better – so I, I think without that, they, they are sort of missing that little bit of personality in their team. And I, I think we uh, – I know I do, and I think a lot of NBA fans really owe Timothy Mozgov an apology. You know, we laughed at that contract, but when you saw the other contracts that people got, and especially even like a guy like Bradley Beal, who, who granted has been playing better lately and things like that, but these guys got hundreds of millions of dollars, and Mozgov has showed – He's not flashy, but if you need a, a center that can play 25 minutes and play solid minutes and not need the ball and just do the little things on the team, I mean, I think Mozgov is that guy. Well, I don't think any of us have to the money yet. Like, I, I think we're still sure. living a few years behind where it seems absurd to give some of these guys the type of money they're making. But, I mean, the, like I was saying, I, I just if you look at this team right now, bare bones, they look like they just need, like, a star scorer. Like, that's what this team needs. Like, that, that's, that's their right. thing. Because they have a lot of the, the glue stuff works for them. And I keep beating this term glue, glue team together. But, you know, Mozgov, you know, is a good glue player. He thrived with LeBron. There's no reason that he can't come in and, you know, just, just do the things he does, which is hustle, get rebounds, protect the rim some. And you have Luol Dang, who's like the ultimate team first type, you know, guy. He comes off that way. I'm sure he's probably great with the younger players. And uh, you, you apparently like uh, Julius Randle a lot. Is that your boy now? Is that safe to say? Oh, I love Julius Randle. Uh, I think Julius Randle just stays in the Staples Center sometimes and just watches Blake Griffin play because it seems like Julius Randle just has Blake Griffin's moves sometimes like in, in the Staples Center, like a mini Blake Griffin. You know, he, he gets the rebound. He dribbles it all the way down the court. He has a nice little spin move layup that Blake used to have. He just needs to add his, add to his game just like Blake. Like Blake used to be like Julius Randle where all he could really do was get to the rim 
And then all of a sudden, Blake got that 18 to 20 footer. And that's where Randall needs to start going with his game. You know, he needs to develop that next step and, and get more versatile. Um, I think sometimes he's careless with the ball, which, again, was sort of like Blake, you know, early in, early in his career where Blake would sort of over-dribble a little bit because he wanted to show you, hey, look, I'm a power forward that has point guard handles. And I think Randall does that sometimes as well. Um, but I think he'll learn, and I definitely think that he is going to be the alpha dog on this team. Um, I think the whole team sort of has that same personality, which is another thing about this team is I feel like they really like playing with each other. You know, sometimes you get talented guys and I think a good example is like we've talked about Bradley Beal and John Wall who are both crazy talented, but seems like they really just don't like playing basketball with one another. I think you get the opposite with this team. I think they like when Julius Randle is hot. They like when D'Angelo Russell, the whole bench goes crazy when Russell is hitting shots. So I really think you have this team and you said glue. I'll use the word chemistry. I think this, this team just has great chemistry together. Well, listen, like this is these players are like born to be Lakers. You talked about like yeah. the the swag and the thing with Russell and Clarkson kind of feeding off each other, and it's kind of you didn't necessarily say the words I'm using, but like an ego thing, or they're kind of cocky. I think you danced around some of these terms. Julius Randle, I see that with him too, and we know Nick Young, even in his 30s, he still lives like that. This is Nick Young's life, and this this team does have that. I mean, you do have the guys like Mozgov. I I don't think he's he's probably a pretty level-headed guy. Dang, obviously, is a level-headed guy. But these young guys, it's exciting to see. Like, this is Lakers. I mean, we're talking guys like Magic and Kobe and Shaq, these big personality guys who would just tell you how it is, who are a little cocky. And I think the fans, you know, have to be loving this. you got a bunch of these, like, 20-year-olds who are just – <laughs> the epitome of what your franchise has been. And, you know, it's kind of good to see. I do like when the Lakers are good, even though I hate listening to their fans. It's like the Cowboys. <laughs> it does seem like the, the Staples Center does love this team too. That That's definitely another thing. I think cocky really probably is the best word. What do you think a night out is like with, with, with the Lakers and you got D'Angelo and, and Clarkson probably just throwing bottles and uh, the swag father, Swaggy P, who is who now has his little children, his little swag Whoa. protégés. And then you just have, like, Mozgov and, and Luol Deng. What are they doing? <laughs> it's probably Do like a weekend or... with J.R. Smith. I mean, it, it's got to be nice. <laughs> so the, uh, the one thing I want to talk about is, is Brandon Ingram, obviously the rookie, the second pick. Um, I think we need to not send him to the D-League. I think he needs, like, a DNP. Like, you remember how uh, Tim Duncan had the DNP old? I think my man Brandon Ingram needs the DNP <laughs> buffet table. Just put him DMP. We sat him down at the buffet table. He needs to put on some weight. So we just said, eat whatever you want. Don't play tonight. It's all good. Because they said they said Kevin Durant was skinny when he got in the league. I, I, I don't see the comparison. I think Ingram is like half the size that Durant was when he got into the league. He is thin. I think it's funny because we look at Durant now, and Durant is thin. I mean, we're not talking about Brandon Ingram thin, but Durant is thin. But I'm telling you, here's the challenge. Go look at a picture of Kevin Durant's rookie season. I'm not saying he's quite Ingram skinny because Ingram's like – he's listed at like 190 pounds, which is insane to see a guy who's 6'9 no. be listed under 200. I don't know that KD was right. listed under 200. But KD was super skinny. But, yeah, Ingram takes the cake for me. It's like – it's the craziest thing. And I don't, I don't want to jump down his throat. Yeah, I still think that, you know, he, he has the opportunity and will be a good player. But, I, I mean – the big thing, the difference for me with KD is KD could score even if it was in volume. I mean, Ingram's out there shooting like eight field goals a game and only making two of them. So, you know, yeah. this is 
a bit of a problem. Um, I watched him go like one for nine one night, and I was just like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, looks I'm not out on him. Yeah, I'm not out. No, I'm not out either. I just think he's he's just young and raw, but he, he does look lost. The, I mean, he really does. He, he just looks lost sometimes on, on the court. Um, I think he's an overall negative for the team currently. And, you know, if you're a team like the Lakers, like if the Lakers really think like they want to compete for a playoff spot this, you know, this season, if that's like their, their goal, then maybe they need to just tone down Ingram's minutes a little bit just because he does seem like an overall negative, even though, I, I mean, I know Deng is a glue guy, and I, I love Luol Deng, as, as Andy knows. He's one of my favorite players in the league, but he's not really giving you much more than, than really his veteran presence. I mean, defensively, he's, he's sort of a shell of himself. So I, I think that's their main need is, is really that small forward position between Ingram and Deng. They're not really getting the production that, that they need in order to be a contending team, if that's their goal. If your goal is to just develop these young guys, then, then sure. I mean, that, that, that's fine. Let them just get their bumps you know, out on the court, uh, you know, that's one thing. But if, you, if you're looking to compete, then, then maybe you need to find another alternative at the three position, whether that's playing Nick Young more at the three, which is, I think, something they experimented more in, you know, in earlier in the season, obviously, when Nick Young was, was healthy. You know, that might be something you need to do. But, you know, that, that's really a, a philosophy of where you want to be this season. You know, and I'll say before I forget, before we move on to the next one, uh, we did do two – fun unintentional things here with what we did this week we landed on two nine seeds as it stands right now uh for the respective conferences which is cool and we kind of pulled the opposite move that the great kareem abdul jabbar pulled uh we went from la to milwaukee um (laughs) it's a little little different but you know it's i i just was picking up on this stuff and I, i wanted to mention that before we we moved along i will say uh last note for me on ingram is I do think his defense has been good when he knows where he is because his problem seems to be he doesn't know where he is sometimes. Listen, I coach junior bitty basketball. These kids are eight and nine. They don't know where they are. You can't get mad. But Ingram, 19, professional basketball, the awareness. Like, if you're playing 2K, he's got, like, a 20 awareness. But, like, he can block the ball. He's got, like, an 80 block. But his awareness is terrible. So he's got to pick up. He does look like he's sleeping sometimes. Yeah, I think in the Grizzlies game, I remember a couple of plays where Tony Allen kind of got him on a couple of cuts, you know, to the rim, and, like, Ingram didn't really know that Allen was at the rim until he was laying it up, you know, that, that kind of thing, where he just looks back <laughs> like, oh, man, I guess I, lo- I, guess I lost my man. Uh, yeah, you did, because he's at the rim, currently scoring two points, Mr. Ingram. Uh, so, real quick, uh, before we move on, the elephant in the room question I have for the Lakers, and by the way, D'Angelo Russell should be back tonight, if you're listening to this, this is Sunday night, D'Angelo Russell should be back tonight, so... Hopefully the team will get kind of back to normal. And I think the elephant in the room for me, Andy, is really quick. Do you think this team should make a move or stay pat and just let the young guys develop? I like it. I think they need to stay with what they're doing. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Maybe they do. I think the, you know, the, the problem with me, um, obviously, is that Russell is missing time now, 11 games or whatever it is. And obviously him coming back is going to bring in some wins. But I do fear with the young team that over time the long season is going to wear them down some. Um, and, you know, they're probably not going to be as competitive second half as they were first half, and we know some of these savvy teams in the West are going to be the exact opposite of that. So I don't think the goal needs to necessarily be playoffs this year. I think with this kind of answers the Ingram question you were asking too, I think they should keep developing their young guys. Um, even if – I think Ingram is getting like 20-some minutes a game this season. Maybe give them some less minutes, but still, you right. know, 
put him into the game, put him in situations and, and have him feed off of these other young players. Cause I think the future is bright, but I, I don't think that it's any time to really need to make moves or panic or anything crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. I think stay pat and see where, see where you are next year with the team, with the same core and see, you know, sort of where the hierarchy is and, and see if you have a superstar in Randall or Russell and, and kind of go from there. Um, so let's move on. Like like Andy said, Kareem went from LA or Milwaukee to LA. We're going from LA to Milwaukee just because you know we like to show love to to the Midwest. So uh, we got the Milwaukee Bucks. While you were watching TNT, we were also watching the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, we had them for three games, uh, one and two week uh, win at home against the Blazers, which was a very uh, high scoring game, and uh, losses at home against the Hawks and last night to the Wizards on the road. Um, so, Andy, how many Milwaukee Bucks games did you catch? Uh, again, I caught two. I caught the Portland game, which is exciting. Um, I caught the Atlanta game, which is also a good game, too. I didn't watch the Washington game because I'm kind of to the point where I don't want to watch them anymore either. Yeah, that, no, <laughs> I, 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 watched the, uh, I watched Washington and Portland, so uh, we got them all covered here. And the last night was, was a pretty competitive game. Uh, actually, you know, Milwaukee kind of – we're going to get to maybe why, but they kind of let that game slip by them. So uh, – what are what were your impressions of the Milwaukee Bucks here? I mean, I know your first impression. Obviously, everybody knows the first impression is just Giannis, right? Well, I mean, my first you know, it's funny because I have this piece of paper and it's kind of filled out over the days. Like, I'll jot down a note or something whenever I'm watching a game. And the top thing that I jotted down, the first thing I could come up with was fun to watch. And it has two exclamation <laughs> points. And they are fun to watch. And, yes, the Giannis show, but also we got to see the Japari Parker show a bit, too. Because Jabari's Absolutely. been, you know, incredible. And I think the dynamic of those two, to me, is a little odd because we're talking, I guess it's a point guard and a small forward, or maybe it's a <laughs> shooting guard and a power forward. But it, it, it's yeah. the craziest thing. But, you know, you're talking a guy who's like 6'11", and a guy who's like 6'9", and they don't play the positions that a 6'11 and a 6'9 guy would normally play. They both take the ball extremely well off the dribble. It's exciting. But I do think it's immature. Their, their brand's a, a little impatient. Um, and that's the team over. But, again, it, it, you know, we're talking young guys. But, you know, I, I do think that this team has really got the, the right cornerstones to build this team. I don't know if they need a move. I'm sure we'll get into that when we're discussing. But that, that was my – first few impressions yeah so besides Giannis because I think that's just the obvious uh it didn't happen this week while we were watching it but my first impression of this team as I'm watching them throughout the season is just I I have no idea what their rotation is like Greg Monroe plays like five minutes one game and then he plays 25 minutes one day Miles Plumley is starting the next day John Henson starting then Monroe starting again I, I I just don't understand really what kid is trying to do with the rotation and I just think it, it, it throws the whole team in flux. And, and I, I think that that's sort of kind of reflective in the way that they play because this seems like sometimes, like you were saying, they play a little floppy, you know, Giannis in particular. Um, it, well, not Giannis in particular, Giannis and Jabari in particular, I should say, as, as a tandem play a little floppy sometimes. Um, the one thing I really noticed, and I, I guess we're just going to get to the elephant in the room just to begin with because we have to talk about it. Can, do do Giannis and Jabari work together? Because I feel like I like Giannis and I like Jabari, but I'm just not sure if they're a tandem, if that makes sense. You know, here's my thing. I think this is going to be an unpopular opinion. 
I don't know if I'm much of a fan of Giannis playing the one. Like when and oh, it's okay. not all the time, but I don't right. I don't know if I love it. Like I love James Harden playing the one exclusively, and like once he's playing the one, I'm like that's what James Harden was meant to do. It makes sense. And Ante Kumpo, I see why it makes sense for the same reason to have guys like, you know, Zach Levine or like a Victor Oladipo earlier in their career, try to have them play point guard, because if it works, Oh man, I mean, you know, there's something there, but I don't know if I love it because it's sloppy. He's very sloppy. I don't know if I want my point guard to be sloppy. Like there's only like one point guard who can really get away with being sloppy. And that's Russell Westbrook. And I think it's just because he offers so much more, but we have seen him hurt his team before. I think, you know, we just saw what Chris Paul just had 20, 20 and zero turnovers. Like to me, that's the epitome of like what you need to do, even in this day and age. So, you know, we, it's the sloppy play a little from him, but I do think him and Jabari Jabari have a a future. It's not with the way that team is currently uh, constructed. There's some guy, I I do like the Della Vadova move. I think that was a a neat move to bring in, Uh, you know, a guy who plays defense, a guy who's not selfish, a guy who had some deep uh, playoff experience last season. And Middleton, obviously, when he comes back, that'll be great. Michael Beasley has actually given them some solid minutes. I didn't think I'd be saying that at all this season for any team. And uh, Mirza Teletovic missed uh, two of the games, the the Hawks and the Portland game. But other than that, this season. Say that name again? I don't want to say it again because I knew I butchered it, and there was like a brief pause and you didn't say a word. So I'm just going to chalk that up as you you didn't catch that. You tried to just like breeze by it and then then just like. I crushed it. I, I left out. (laughs) <laughs> I added like a syllable and I took one away in a different place. You don't, listen, I, I tricked you. Show the man. Teletovich. Yeah. He's, there you go. But I, I almost feel like on one part of my brain likes John Henson and Mirza versus Greg Monroe. And Monroe had a couple yeah. of good games actually. So I can't give him too much uh, grief, but uh, overall, I didn't like it coming into the season. I still don't really like Greg Monroe dynamic there. I think they need a, a rim protector a bit. And they just don't have one. They, they're, like, lacking that. I think Henson would be their closest yeah, you thing. Know what, so, so let's talk about Greg Monroe. Because you know what's sad about the Monroe thing is that everybody used to dog Monroe about his defense. And his defense has actually been decent this year. But you're yeah. right. He's not, the, he, 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 he's not and never has been and never will be a rim protector. You know, Monroe plays good individual man defense. He plays good team, you know, good man defense in the post. He plays the pick and roll, you know, well because he he is, you know, he can kind of, he is athletic. He can get around. It's not like like when Brooke Lopez plays the pick and roll, Brooke just like stays back and just waits for the guy to come to him because he knows there's no way. (laughs) And then they just, you know, they they come around the pick and they take an 18-footer. Monroe's not like that. You know, he's athletic, but... He, he's not going to block shots at the rim like John Henson does. John Henson, that's why he plays over him, is because he provides that rim protection. Um, the Della Vadova thing, okay, so Della Vadova, I don't know if he's ever taken a shot that I thought was going to go in. I mean, I know that they do go in occasionally, like, but those floaters that he takes, even his jump shot, like I've never, and like he does this thing where like he jump sets before he takes a shot, and I don't know if I've ever seen him like actually release the ball, and I'm thinking, that's that's going in the rim like that's going in the net right now never never in my life well i saw that video of that guy whose dog was being attacked by a kangaroo and he punched it did you say he gave him a right hook so i've learned from that (laughs) and crocodile dundee movies not to ever question what an australian guy does so i'm just gonna leave delhi alone he's good (laughs) 
but I, I agree with you about Giannis. I think it's Giannis at point guard to me is sort of like the Warriors death lineup where I think that they're oversaturating Giannis at, I think Giannis at the point guard would be good if it, they just did it in crunch time or did it when they needed a bucket or just threw it in occasionally. But like you're saying, Giannis playing 30 to 35 minutes handling the ball at point guard doesn't work for me. Um, that's not saying I don't like him at point guard, but I think that's the same point that you're making. It's not that you don't like it. It's just they're doing it too much and it's resulting in too many turnovers and just overall sloppy play by the team because, you know, it, it's a basketball thing. Like, once you make one bad pass, then all of a sudden, like, it, it's, like, contagious, it seems like. It seems like when the ball is, is you know, it, it's not moving, it's not flowing the way it should be, it just kind of works the whole way around the team or a whole possession, that kind of thing. And I, I think you see a lot of those possessions from the Milwaukee Bucks. And, honestly, I think they do miss a Chris Middleton, you know, sort of a smarter guy that and, and somebody that can knock down shots consistently, which is something – Unfortunately, they thought they were going to get in Tony Snell, and it's just not working out so far. I don't know why, because I like Tony Snell, and I thought if nothing else he was a shooter, but it doesn't seem like that that's the case. Yeah, I thought he would be you know, good at shooting the ball, good at playing defense. I think his defense has been fine. Middleton, I think, honestly, and I've never been the biggest advocate of him. Obviously, you can attest to that, but I think Middleton allows them to do different things. So I think if you have right. Middleton healthy – he plays the two, and then he's that shooting risk for sure. They, the defense has to be kept honest by that. And you can play Delhi at the one, and you can play Middleton at the two, and then that allows that Giannis Jabari at the three and the four. I think you're still right. lacking the correct big guy to go with that, but I think that that's a force to be reckoned with with the correct big man, you know, like a Clint Capella type guy. Just that rim protector doesn't need the ball to, to be productive, along with a Delhi Middleton. Giannis at the three, I, I think I'm stuck with him at the three at this point in my mind, and uh, Jabari at the four. And Jabari fits that that new age. He can take you off the dribble. He can make the jump shot. He's very athletic for a four. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I do think that this team is, is in the ballpark of the right dynamic. I just think they need some health, and they, they do need a new big guy alternative. Yeah, then the other thing that really bothers me about Jabari and Giannis together is they don't seem like they can each, at least, you know, in the games that I've watched, it seems like either Giannis has a good game or Jabari has a good game. Like, cause even when Jabari scores, like, sometimes Jabari has, like, you know, he had 27 points, I think, twice in the, two, in the three games that we watched him. But, you know, it's inefficient. Sometimes he takes a lot of shots. Sometimes he gets hot. Like, sometimes his line looks better than it does because he got hot in the first half and then he just disappeared in the second half, which is kind of what happened in, in the Hawks game when he had 27. And it just seems like when one's playing well, the, it's at the expense of the other. And, and that's not really a good thing for your, for your tandem. You, you want more of, you know, like when, and obviously this is the extreme example, right? But it seemed like, um, you know, like Westbrook and Durant got to the point where they weren't taking turns anymore, where they were both playing well at an extreme level. And it was just the fact that they didn't have really much help otherwise that they didn't succeed. It seems like it's the opposite with these guys. It seems like they really haven't, found the point in their games where they can work off of each other. It's like you scored last possession. I'm going to score this possession, the, the tit for tat. And, right. I, and I do think that that's something that comes with chemistry in time, but maybe, you know, it, it could also be a situation like a John Wall and Bradley Beal, where we think that that's never really come to fruition. Their, their chemistry with one another. And even when they do both have good games, it's often as if they were playing, you know, one-on-one 
instead of, you know, right. with each other and feeding off of each other. They, they score in spite of each other rather than because of each other. So, yeah, that could be a problem, but hopefully it corrects itself, yeah. and at least for now it makes good TV. Absolutely. They're definitely an entertaining team. I think a better example, just real quick, was uh, is DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. I think they were like that at one point where they really didn't have that chemistry together, but now I think they've really found that where they know how to get each other involved throughout the game, um, and I think it's really helped the Raptors. So let's let's move on to uh, the elephant in the room question I have for the Bucks really quick is do you think this is a playoff team, granted, if Middleton gets back by, let's say, the next month? And this is tough because I just there's just a blob of teams that I don't know what to do with in the East. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Bucks. I I think that they will make the playoffs. Um, I I just there's so much talent on that team and and you know I I do think the East is gonna be competitive right down there at the bottom. But I'm saying yes. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes as well. Uh, we're gonna move on to the end of the show. Like Jay Z once said, we don't believe you. You need more people. Andy Flynn, who needed more people in the NBA this week? That's Mark Cuban. Mark, I'm getting off the bandwagon. I've always, you know, been an advocate of you. I, I like Mark Cuban. I usually agree with the things he says, but like the Westbrook stuff, it's got to stop. You couldn't like be more wrong with saying he's not a superstar. You're crazy. You need more people. <laughs> I am going with any NBA fan that did not believe the the story about Matt Barnes and Demarcus Cousins partying at a club VIP and assaulting somebody. Like, if you could pick two people in the NBA, two teammates, just those guys got to be at the top of the list. Stop acting like these guys are just angels at night and the, just don't go out, yo. Well, Mark Cuban. We don't believe you. You need more people. And with that, that is the end of our show. Please join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Uh, we will close, as we always do, with the great words from Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.